Welcome to the Live Your Edge podcast. This is Gilbert Joy, your host. Join me as I interview world-class performers, seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, digital nomads, and those living on their edge. Basically, living on your edge means you're constantly pushing your comfort zone, always striving for new heights. And that's exactly what we do at the Live Your Edge podcast. Are you looking for funding or a mentor? This week we'll be speaking with Brendan Rogers, who is the current founder and managing partner of 2AM Ventures and Talent. 2AM is a pre-seed industry agnostic microfund investing in ambitious founders from all over the world, as well as placing 10x talent in early stage high growth startups. And previously, Brendan was the co-founder of Venture Back Wag, which is a mobile dog walking app that disrupted the global pet service space and has raised over $360 million in venture funding. Brandon is an active advisor as well as mentor for many companies, accelerators, and universities in LA and Silicon Valley. And today we'll be talking about what are some of the tips that you can take away when looking for investors for your company, as well as seeking out mentors and what was his journey like helping companies and why does he do it? So put your hands together and join me in welcoming Brendan Rogers. everyone welcome to the live your edge podcast i'm here with brendan rogers welcome to the show brendan hey thank you so much for having me really appreciate it so brendan is a angel investor a startup mentor and he's also the co-founder of wag labs inc and is currently the leading recruiter there so Brandon, why don't you share a bit about your journey? How did you come around to becoming an angel investor, advisor, as well as a mentor? Yeah, totally. Great question. I moved to California in late 2011. I moved to Palo Alto um, with only a couple dollars in my in my bank, and you know, slept on an air mattress air mattress for about nine months, trying to figure it out and um, really plug myself into Silicon Valley and um, I uh, was fortunate enough to uh, come across an, an idea in the online dating space that got a little bit of traction. Uh, my co-founders and I acquired some funding and kind of that was the start of my, my startup career. And then after that, the company was um, acquired by another dating site called, called uh, Twoo, which is T-W-O-O. Um, and I moved down to Los Angeles. and. Uh, lived next to a, a hiking trail where folks would walk their dogs and there would be dog walkers everywhere. And it was in an era where the Uber for X was you know, really growing. And we thought, why not connect dog walkers to pet parents and have this on-demand dog walking uh, software that you can essentially use any time of the day. And then long, you know, fast forward till now, I really love the 
opportunity of working with early stage startups, being in the trenches, mentoring and advising. And I felt that as WAG was growing, I needed to get more involved in the earlier stages of startups. So I started, you know, really reaching out to folks in my network and, um, you know, starting building my brand on LinkedIn and just started meeting like really great uh, advice, uh, really great entrepreneurs and other angel investors. And it kind of all sparked, you know, from that perspective over the last year. So it's, uh, that's kind of how I started to get into it. And, um, you know, I love mentoring. I love advising my, what I fell in love with was how a group of people can, or even a solo founder can really think of something that can really change the world and really innovate in the space that they're passionate about. And I love that about startups um, and being a part of a team and really working together and getting to that next level. So it seems like this last decade has been an amazing journey for you. It has. It's been a, it's been a wild roller coaster. Um, I think of it as like when you start a business, no matter what sector, uh, you're strapping yourself into a roller coaster and it, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs and there's going to be a lot of twists and turns, but you lean on your co-founders, you lean on your support network, people that are close to you to really get you through those, uh, you know, those downs. And then, you know, during those highs, you know, you can celebrate and, and pushing forward. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild roller coaster, and I, I uh, am excited for, you know, the, the next chapter of, uh, of my career. Right on. And how I, I see that you raised around $360 million for Wag Labs. So how, how did that happen? How did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, we really had a, um, uh, we had a place in the market for, uh, for pet parents where we created a, a really domestic brand in the United States where people would use us, pet parents would use us every single day. We created this ecosystem of dog walkers where people could essentially have as a side hustle to make some extra income, be around pets and, you know, burn some calories in the meantime. And we just created this brand and ecosystem where people loved using the product and investors from all over the world were very attractive to that as we were scaling, you know, to 10, 20, 50, 100 cities in the US. Um, and we were, you know, luckily enough, we had people that believed in us from day one and until you know, the most recent financing in 2018, um, people believe in us. So it was a it's it was a it was a product that got a lot of traction early on and was really growing at a rapid pace and uh yeah investors really took interest to that um and you know we really have this vision of we have this we have this funnel where we essentially can provide a service to a pet to pet parents and walk their dog and when they use us for the first time they fall in love with the service they they trust the service they trust the walkers and then we really want to own the whole life cycle of owning a pet so once you use our walking services then you can use our daycare services or our sitting and boarding services 
and you can use the same walkers for that. So we um, really wanted to extend the lifetime value and also really offer other services and increase the total addressable market of, of pet parents in the U.S. So that's uh, where we're at. That's awesome. My friends in Asia would love to use your service. <laughs> Hopefully one day WAG will be in Asia. I think that uh, there's a huge need for that for sure. Definitely. So as an entrepreneur, I mean, myself, I've been bootstrapping most of my uh, ventures in the last couple of years. And one of the reasons is because uh, I'm aware that, you know, finding investors are to, to put money into your company. is not easy. So I'm sure that you have a lot of um, people come to you on a daily basis, probably trying to pitch them, trying to pitch you their products, their company. What, what is the misconception that some of them might have about investment that you've noticed? Have, or have you noticed any misconceptions they have about uh, finding investors? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that um, a lot of the founders that reach out to me that are looking for investment, they kind of lead with that, um, you know, Say, you know, really being forthcoming, asking for an investment, or will you take a look at my uh, my round that I'm raising, or whatever the case may be? And I think that that is not the best way to approach um, speaking with potential angel investors or VCs, just given the fact that you want to build a relationship with an angel investor or a VC, just because you're going to be in this, you know, relationship with this person for, you know, anywhere between, you know, six to 10 years. And uh, you want to not, you want to build that relationship from day one and, and kind of ease into things. So my advice to founders that reach out to me is if I, you know, don't know them or if folks in my network do not know them is, you know, reach out and ask for advice, ask, ask for advice on, the product or the launch or ask advice on, Hey, can you look at my pitch deck? Um, asking advice, I feel is the best way to start a relationship with an angel investor. Um, and once you develop that relationship with the angel investor and the angel investor develops a relationship with the founder, I think that there can be a lot of magical and really great synergies that can arise from that. Um, so typically when I, when founders reach out to me, I try to not really talk so much about the investing piece, but try to offer advice and try to see like where their bottlenecks, what issues are they going through? Um, and just kind of be that helping hand and develop that relationship. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I mean, I think it draws a sort of parallel between, when you go out and you sell your, your company or your, your product, you want to build a relationship with your customer rather than just to tell them, hey, I got this product and you should, you should buy it. Do you feel like it's sort of like they're eager to get the investment and they, um, they're just looking at the goal and they just kind of um, put the relationship secondary or don't even think about it at all? Yeah, I mean, like I think that in startups, the cash is king it's the i call it the lifeblood of the company and 
once you run out of cash, it's, it's almost like the, your company's dead to some degree. So I think that there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of um, people that are anxious in terms of tr getting money in the door and it will solve all of my problems. Um, and yeah, I think that the, a lot of these businesses too, like some require capital up front, some inquire, uh, require capital to scale, especially like in the e-commerce world. Um, you know, you need capital to buy inventory or whatever the case may be. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of anxiety around that. And that's obviously you want to, you know, push the company forward and you want to prioritize six to 12 months out and project six to 12 months out. Um, however, I think if you can create a really lean and mean machine within yourself and your business and not so much rely on, you know, cash coming in and, and getting investors or whatnot, but actually providing an amazing experience to your users and creating an ecosystem and, an, and a community where your users and your customers are so obsessed with what you are building that they will come back. I think that in parallel, investors will learn about that and latch onto that and they will, investors will start coming to you. So I would say, you know, really, really focus on building a strong community, a strong brand, you know, Every time a customer buys your product or anytime a user signs up, especially for your early adopters, really understand how their experience was. Understand like what you can do better, what you can change, and really build that brand because those early adopters will tell, you know, their friends, et cetera. So would you would you actually um, avoid investing in founders that need to have capital in order to get their business off the ground? Yeah. I mean, per personally, yes, I, I would not probably invest in a, in a startup that needs capital to get their business off the ground unless um, there was, and this goes back to the relationship piece is that maybe I have met these founders and we have an amazing synergy and I really love the, the, the product or the, the space that they're tackling. Um, but um, I think that it's, that's a rare, rare case um, to invest, you know, just to get something off the ground um, unless I've met the, the founders or maybe someone in my network has introed me to these founders and it's a, and it's a source that they're coming from is that I really trust and is that very close to me. Hmm. Makes sense. So, and that's the thing yeah. is, uh, really, if you, because if when you build a relationship with the angel investors, maybe that angel investor does not want to invest in you specifically, but that angel investor will know other angel investors. And when that other angel investor intros you to that other, to that other person, that's a warm intro, and that's going to make that other angel investor extremely engaged in the conversation. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it's not the person you know that invest, but someone that you know they potentially have in their network that has a more synergy with your your product or your your company.
how would you know that the founder is asking the right questions when they engage with you? Um, I mean, I think that there's, um, I think every investor is different, but, um, I think the right questions in that I know is like, like I'm, I'm more based off of, like I said earlier, relationship. I'm very relationship driven and I really want to hear about like, you know, the business, um, either what the, the roadmap is for like the next six to 12 months, or maybe they have some early data that they can share um, on, you know, maybe how many customers have signed up or maybe how many customers have bought their product or stuff of that nature. Um, so I feel like if, if founders ask those types of questions, then I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing um, more about that. Um, but I think I think reaching out, I, th I think LinkedIn's a great tool to identify um, mentors, advisors, investors, and reach out to these specific folks, um, introducing yourself and your business, and just a you know quick like one or two sentences on what your product is and how you're different and what market you're tackling, and would love you know ask to connect, and um, if you're local in that city, maybe go grab coffee and or tea. And if not, get on a call and, and just, you know, have a conversation where you can develop that relationship in, in building your network. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yeah. When I moved to Hong Kong, I had to build it up from scratch. And because we both had this experience of moving to a new city or a country and it, it sort of hits the reset button before it might be like you, you if you live in your hometown, um, there may or may not be a incentive to actively go out and um, build these new relationships outside of your pre-existing circle. But as a founder, of course, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of a necessity because without these uh, relationships, it's uh, very difficult to get through the door, especially and imagine in Silicon Valley, where we say it's even more important than the cash itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um you know, you're like, I mean, this quote, I don't want to sound corny, but like literally your, your network is your net worth to some degree. Um, because if you're usually successful founders are serial, serial founders and, you know, successful serial founders and um, these relationships will last a lifetime. And you're not, you may meet people that you network with or reach out to and it, you may, I consider it you're planting seeds and you may not get ROI right away on those seeds that you're planting. However, those seeds will blossom at some point later on in life, whether if it's a year, four years, seven years down the road. Um, I believe that those relationships will, um, will prosper, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, I think that just the, the, having cash is great, but also, um, in parallel, you want to definitely, you know, build your network and, and build your brand, obviously stay focused on building your business, but in you know, really try to, um, whatever your, your bottlenecks are, whatever that you may have, you know, roadblocks, et cetera, how to get through those. If that requires, you know, meeting and networking with specific people, um, you know, definitely do that. Got it. And 
when it comes to um, networking, there's something I, I've noticed. A lot of people want to meet someone that is you know, already successful, um, they've been a successful founder, investor, uh, so forth. But I see that there's a lot less attention put on those that haven't yet uh, reached that to that stage. So those, I feel, I feel like those are the people that you should be building those relationships with as well, because those are the up and coming um, individuals, you know, founders, and who knows where they'll be in uh, 10 years. And at the same time, those that I feel like those that are already, you know, successful on, on some level, uh, they have their own, they have their own circle that has risen up with them. And I don't like it, it varies from person to person, but I mean, some founders I know um, that have done quite well for themselves tend to just spend a lot more time with their, you know, the circle that they know and trust that has been with them since the beginning. Um, whereas they are a little bit more hesitant to take on new um, you know, relationships after you know, getting to a certain point or a stage in life. So what, what will you, what, what kind of, um, what's your view on that? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, just if you're a first time founder, just starting off and you're trying to speak with and try to network with folks that, you know, have either a large following or clearly are very busy, either they're running their own company or they're, you know, traveling around the world looking for uh, investment opportunities. I think that I would um, not necessarily focus on the bigger fish. I would focus on founders and entrepreneurs that are relevant and sort of in the same um, arena that you're in. Meaning, if you're a first-time founder, I would network with founders that have raised maybe a seed round where they're a little bit farther along from a financing standpoint, but they're still, um, they're still reachable. And I would reach out to founders that, you know, companies that are either in your space or that um, are, you know, that you're interested in. And I think by slowly chipping away, you at the, you know, really slowly chipping away by meeting folks that are um, maybe a little bit farther along I think those are the easiest people to get a hold of that can provide a ton of value in real time. And I think you can get a great return um, in conversations like that. So for an example, if you're a first time founder and you're launching your product and you speak to somebody that just raised, you know, a seed round and you can go on a, a site called crunchbase.com, which provides all of the uh, information um, when startups raise money or get bought, et cetera try finding startups that raised seed rounds, reach out to those founders and uh, ask, Hey, I just started my company. Um, can I have some advice on fundraising? Can I have some advice on my pitch deck, blah, blah, blah. And um, that's a great way to start. And as you, you know, speak with these folks, you'll obviously gain knowledge on scaling your product, building your products, uh, raising capital, whatever the case may be. So I would focus on folks that are a little bit farther along that may not be those massive whales, but 
you know, farther along enough to provide value in real time. Yeah. Makes, makes total sense. Um, and I, I only realized that, you know, a few years into my journey because I was always obsessed with, Oh, I got to meet with this uh, successful founder and, and learn from them. Um, when, you know, down the road, I mean, once I became a coach and all of that, I realized that uh, sometimes it's not really about being the, the best. It's about, you know, just being a few steps uh, in front of the people you are helping. And I feel like that would be able to help to, to serve them even better because uh, it's a lot more recent. And, you know, in terms of this, the timing is also, um, again, it's, it's a lot more recent and uh, there's a lot more, references that are closer to their time that you can draw from uh, whereas if someone uh, started 20 years ago and perhaps um, the conditions in the in the world the market was very different back then it, the advice they give you may or may not be applicable to uh, their current situation right yeah no totally agree for sure so let's take a little bit of a a shift towards the the mentorship uh, side of things. What sort of inspired you to um, to help other founders, uh, you know, work on their startup and and improve it and, and get funding and and so forth? That's something that something that being an angel investor doesn't get you. Right. Um, it's a great question. I so I. Um... I, so the, before I started angel investing, I was a mentor just because of obviously like resource, um, restrictions, you know, but I wanted to get involved in the community to, to some degree. And I wanted to start building my brand because I knew eventually I wanted to, um, angel invest and, and really, you know, build my brand around the startup community. So I was at a point at WAG where the company was just growing so fast and there were so many people and it was like, you know, a, an unbelievable experience. But I missed, you know, the days when I was around a table working with great, um, you know, engineers, etc. I'm really in the trenches and I missed that. And I wanted to kind of have that magic again in my life. So I, uh, my first mentor, um, ship really was with the university of Southern California at USC. Um, I, um, I met somebody that runs the program, the engineering mentorship program for entrepreneurs. And I, um, thought that it would be awesome to, you know, become a mentor at the university. And I would, I went down there and we, they had a pitch competition and, you know, you mentor a couple startups and it was awesome. It was like something that I really enjoyed doing. And it actually started to get my creative juices flowing. And um, yeah, it was a great experience, but I started with mentoring before investing. And I think the mentoring led into the investing. And I think that on the advising, the advising and mentoring to me are somewhat similar. Um, but the advisor part as well is, you know, you're more hands-on than mentoring. Um, but I think mentoring led to investing and, um, 
it was a great way is like nobody's going to turn down a mentor too so like if you want to build your personal brand or if you want to build yourself in the startup community um you know reach out to startups or reach out to people if you're interested in becoming a mentor and you know you don't get paid to be a mentor um but you're building your brand and you're building your network so there's also the case where startups are approachable towards um, mentorship. And what I mean is the startup is positioned in a way where a mentor would uh, feel it's worth their, their efforts and their, their energy to work with the founders. So how does a founder position them, their company so that mentors such as yourself would be willing to want to work with them when they have 10 other different companies asking for the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like I would, um, I would target. So if, if your business is in the, um, the wellness space, I would, um, try to target not necessarily founders and CEOs of wellness companies. I think, I think you could do that, but I would maybe target, um, maybe early employees at these companies that could be mentors. So for an example, if you had a meditation app um, that you are working and you're launching and it's meditation for kids, right? And you're looking for a mentor. Well, what type of mentorship do you need? Well, I need, you know, I want to grow this app to a million users. Um, I And you may not have the exact you know, roadmap to do that, I would potentially reach out to maybe some early employees at like-minded companies like Calm or Headspace and maybe reach out to early employees or employees that are on the growth team and say, and these people, you know, the, I'm confident that you'll definitely get a response, but, um, you know, reach out and say, Hey, I'm looking for a mentor to help me, you know, launch or grow my meditation for kids app. Would you be interested in being my mentor? And I think that you know, you, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to get to your prince. Um, and, um, that's a great start at finding a mentor. And as you, you know, are getting traction and, um, as you, you know, have, um, a mentor and advisor, then I think it can lead to, you know, other introductions to other advisors and mentors, et cetera. Well, those, uh, those may not necessarily be frogs either. I mean, if they were early, early uh, employees at the at the company they've been with the company during the early stages and probably uh, can resonate with the company that they're mentoring as well yeah. um and i think that's great advice because again people tend to want to go directly to the top and in doing so they um they they may ignore the what's in front of them, which is a lot uh, a lot more easier to approach and the uh, low-hanging fruit. Um, that's, that's actually, uh, it gave me an idea. <laughs> there you go. So in parting, what, what kind of, um, what most resonates with you as a, you know, as a previous founder, co-founder of a, of a, of a, of a high growth uh, startup, what, what is the most memorable thing 
uh, this journey has brought to you in the last decade? Um, I would say it's the the relationships that I've created with employees, other founders, just the overall relationships I've built in the startup community. When I uh, came out to California from Rhode Island, you know, a lot of people thought I was going to be back in one month. And, you know, I really wanted to prove everyone wrong. And, you know, for the last 10 years, it's been a magical journey meeting amazing people working with amazing, you know, hardworking individuals and networking with great people. And I think that the relationships that I've built and the experiences that um, I've had with these relationships are priceless. Um, I think a lot of people get into startups for various different reasons, but I think there's also, you know, uh, everyone is like, oh, I wanna become the next unicorn company and I wanna do this, this, and this. And that's great. And you should definitely have those goals and you should definitely like, you know, shoot for the, for the moon. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's really not about the end goal. It's about like what you created, you know, to get there. Um, and yeah, that's something that I just, the relationships have just been, they're, they're priceless and those relationships will be with me for the rest of my life. And I think that's, um, that's a really cool, um, you know, opportunity to, to have if you're a founder is to really develop great relationships. Mm. So that's sort of something that evolved as a result of being a founder, investor, mentor, right? Because you yeah. said that um, in the beginning, it was just about proving the your folks back in uh, Rhode Island that, you know, that they're wrong, that you wouldn't just come back after a month. Yeah. And at one at one point, it stopped becoming about proving someone wrong, it became more about um, creating great relationships with the people on your journey. So, so what was that point for you? Was there a, was there a sort of turning point where it didn't really matter uh, what other people thought and it, it was more about what value you can create for uh, the people around you? Yeah, I think it was like when, um, when WAG first started, WAG was working, uh, it was out of a house. The first office was out of a house. And um, my previous company, you know, it was a great experience. Um, and, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't get to that, you know, hyper growth, um, you know, domestic brand that everybody knows, etc. cetera. Um, and when we were working out of the house, we had customer service in the house. We had engineers in the house. We had people working outside in the pool area. Have <laughs> you ever seen the Facebook movie? It was really like that. Um, and it was just like a crazy operation. You know, we had people writing code and right next to the engineers were people, you know, trying to uh, close customers. And it was this house where, and, and it was like a 24 hour operation. So like all hours of the day, you could come into this house and it was like, people are working and all working towards the same, you know, 
the same the same mission and having the same values and believing in the product so like when when we launched, when we had that office in the house it was almost like surreal because you have people coming in all hours of the day you know working and working together as a team to really and believing in the mission that you helped create is, is just like that was like surreal to me and um i think from that point on um it was i felt like it was something that people in the world are going to love and use and people are going to love working at a company that is um you know really helping out pet parents and really helping out helping out animals but um that's when i really like the kind of the the surreal moment kind of took over me and, um, and that's a real moment happened because uh at that stage you weren't a glo- you weren't like a international uh, national brand yet and you didn't have all this all this funding so it sort of came you know as as a result of just being able to be resourceful um and instead of like for example if you had the money from the start it might have been a very different experience and you might not have had that sort of realization so would you would you say like for a startup you no know, a founder that doesn't get investment to you know not get discouraged but also know that sometimes it's these sort of um epiphanies or these uh experiences that they go through as as a result that will really give them uh something to remember for the rest of their life yeah totally i think that you know having you, you definitely want to either save some you know if you were to start a company i would definitely save some money up or you know what a lot of founders do is they reach out to their friends and family uh to get them going and um you know i don't think you need to really rely so much on the funding perspective really early on because a lot of times a lot of these comp- like a lot of these early stage companies they either pivot or into a new idea or maybe their business model they do a lot of iterations on their business model um it's more so like being lean testing out ideas seeing what works seeing what doesn't work and when you when you see that something does work then i would you know start trying to attract you know capital to your startup but um but yeah i think that just being being lean you know making sure that uh your product is people are using your product and you know you're not um kind of just spinning your wheels i think that's another thing is like people founders really need to like you don't need a million users right away you just you really need you really need people you really need customers that like are like that can give you feedback like those early adopters and really understand if people really want your product um yeah i mean and i can't stress that enough like so many people want to go viral and and have all these users and stuff like that but um I think like understanding who your customer is, what your customer wants, is your customer going to come back? Is your customer going to take out their credit card and buy your product? I think those are the questions that you need to validate for your business. Um and that doesn't require that that doesn't require capital to do that. So in closing, 
like you already mentioned a few of the the questions to ask, which can be translated into metrics. So, what what other metrics with um, you know a early stage founder be looking into to get to secure the first round of funding from an angel? Yeah, uh, I think that there's. So I think it's uh, you know whatever there's specific metrics to look at for specific industries. Um, for an example, if you're like a B two B SaaS company you're selling software to other businesses, I would really understand what your, you know, monthly churn rate is, meaning how many customers sign up and then fall off by the end of the month and do not return for the second month. And then I would also um, get a lot of feedback from your customers to see if your customers, what they think of the product. So I would really track churn, uh, monthly churn for, B2B SaaS companies. For consumer companies, um, there's, you know, the metrics that I would look at, you know, if you have a mobile app, say you have a mobile dating app, um, I would look at, you know, what is your, uh, how many, like, what is your new user uh, signups in terms of uh, how many new people are coming in and signing up per month. Um, I would look at the, the daily users, and then I would look at like the monthly users um, and understanding like how sticky the product is. Um, and then um, I would uh, also, if you had an e-commerce company, maybe I would look at um, how much does it cost to acquire a customer? Um, if you even, if you have to pay for, if you're doing Facebook ads, if you're doing Instagram ads, whatever it is, like how much are you paying to actually acquire that customer? Um, and what is their lifetime value? And, and maybe you can't figure that out right away, but understanding um, over like a six month to a year process, like what is their lifetime value? And is that lifetime value exceeding the cost to acquire that customer? Um, and I would look at that and for e-commerce. Um, and yeah, I think those are some good metrics to start with. Um, but I think first and foremost, if you're just starting off, um, really talk to your early adopters, talk to your users, talk to your customers, get feedback, build enough conviction, you know, give the product for free. Um, just get enough conviction and get, you know, people to give you feedback. And I think that's a great place to start. Um, and founders also like one thing that I realized is that, founders really want to help other founders. Like they know the journey that either they've lived that journey or they're living it, you know, in parallel to you, but founders want to help founders. Um, and I think that's a really special thing. And I think people need to utilize that more because there's a lot of people that will help out that will listen, that will provide feedback. You just have to be, um, you know, somebody that can, you know, you just got to keep reaching out. You got to keep following up um, and build your brand and, you know, everything will fall into place. Founders helping founders. That's a, uh, that's, that's really sound advice. So in closing, for those that want to follow your journey and maybe perhaps reach out, get to know you, um, how do they find you? Yes, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is 
my platform of, uh, of choice to interact with, um, with founders and, uh, investors, et cetera. So you can just find me on LinkedIn. It's, it's Brendan Rogers. Um, if you just type in Brendan Rogers wag, my profile will, will, uh, come up and, um, either send me a message or you can comment on one of my posts. I try to post content daily, uh, content around the startup community and tips and tricks of, um, you know, different things that I went through that could hopefully help other founders out. And I'll be more than happy to, you know, connect, reach out and, you know, chat and whatnot. Um, I'd love to do that. Awesome. Well, Brendan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, excited to, uh, to chat with everybody in the future in the startup community. Definitely. So let's, um, that just about wraps it up for this episode. So those that enjoy the show, feel free to subscribe, comment, leave a five-star review, and share with your friends. We are now on Spotify as well. So if you have Spotify, you can access the Live Your Edge podcast through there. So that said, uh, thank you for coming on the show, uh, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. <laughs>